0: Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to start your intellectual engines. Our summit begins. Thank you. This is Ag Bioscience. It's a bonus episode. Welcome and thank you for joining. I'm Mitch Frazier, CEO of Agrinovus. This is the podcast where we explore all things Ag Bioscience, the people, the products and innovations across food, animal health, plant science, and ag tech. Indiana made history last week as Governor Eric Holcomb and Indiana Secretary of Commerce Brad Chambers hosted the state's first global economic summit, a truly worldwide event that welcomed more than 800 attendees from nearly 30 countries. Agrinovus led the opening discussion at the summit, focusing on technology feeding the future, the role of innovation and sustainability in the global food system. Joining us for the discussion was atlanco CEO Jeff Simmons in a one-on-one conversation that expanded into a panel that included Corteva Executive Vice President Robert King, Martha Hoover, founder and CEO of Patichu Inc., and Jean-Luc Tate, founder of Paris-based ag tech startup, Horace Impact. This bonus episode of Ag Bioscience is that conversation at GES in its entirety. It was just too good not to share. Enjoy. Well, good morning. It is good to be with you. Over the next hours, days, discussions, we're going to talk about how best we unite, how best we bring innovation together to fuel growth. Our first conversation today is one that takes on heightened importance. We'll clearly talk about growth, but this topic that we're about to dig into, this topic is one of existential consequence. It's a topic that we all have a direct relationship with, one that we all have a connection with. And it's one that every single one of us here must unite to tackle, to solve. This first topic is about food. We look at the United Nations, they estimate that roughly one in three people around the globe don't have access to adequate food. And the United Nations also forecasts that there are roughly two billion people that will join this planet by 2050, further taxing the food system that we saw become extremely fragile during the global pandemic. We have An opportunity to truly transform how we think about the food system particularly in a world where we face challenges at the most macro we're in a world where global inflation exists we're in a world where consumer choice is driving change in behavior in the food system and we're in a world where the food system is facing a call to drive sustainability more than ever before We are joined this morning by an incredible expert, someone who knows animal health deeply. He's a visionary, he's a bold leader, and he's a proven powerhouse when it comes to tackling tough problems. Please help me welcome Elan Co-CEO, Jeff Simmons. Well, Jeff, it is good to be with you. It's good to see you. It's been, uh, gosh, maybe a month since we last saw each other yeah. at your groundbreaking, just a few kilometers west of here. At that groundbreaking, you sighted your global headquarters in the center of a metropolitan area. Big move. But you talked about this wasn't just a facility. This wasn't just a building. But you were building a movement. Share with us what that movement
1: is and how it relates to food security and food sustainability. Yeah, great. Um, it's great to see everybody. This is a great setup. and good to be back together, isn't it? It's wonderful to be back together. Um, yeah, so building, we kind of said, is not the, not the, the noun or the physical side, but the action side, as you said. And look, this has come over time. We're coming up on 70 years as a company being in the animal business. Um, we kind of always had these seasons inside of Eli Lilly. We came out of Eli Lilly is hey, you got to grow, you got to grow. It's part of the culture. Um, so this mindset of always growing hit about 15 years ago with purpose when John Lecklider, Eli Lilly and others said if you're gonna be a business unit here you've got to impact people's lives and that opened our eyes to something much bigger which is hey animals and making animals lives better can make life better we're in the pet and the protein business and just to your point the importance of food security that movement then really started kind of a, a faster cycle to say boy It opened up everyone's eyes on we're gonna play on much bigger platforms. That's gonna be absolutely critical. And it really led to hey, um, coming out of Eli Lilly as an IPO. It led to us acquiring Bayer Animal Health. And it really just kept a transformation going where, you know, in the shortness of that 15 years, we've gone from, you know, 1,500 employees to 11,000, a little shy of a billion to a little shy now of 5 billion. But it's all because of when you're responsible. You got to be more responsible when you're relevant and you're planning to of these bigger things, I think that's that's key. Jeff,
0: your headquarters project, I think think we should spend a little time there as we get into food security because I think this is an important piece of a puzzle. puzzle. This headquarters may be one of the largest ag bioscience investments in terms of a metro area in history. Share with us more about why this was the destination of
1: choice. Right? Why, why did you grow the company here, and what did you learn through that process? Yeah, look, uh, the state of Indiana and, uh, uh, and this opportunity, it wasn't given, right? I mean, when we came and we were a public company and we acquired Bayer, big facilities in Kansas City, there were many states that we ran a pretty rigorous process, and what I would say is the state of Indiana responded uh, wasn't just economics it was a one i think the one indiana approach private public nonprofit, the community we look at the west side the the location be able to say hey they, they made uh you know the opportunity of a 50 acre you know facility in downtown there's not many of those that that are located there and you know i would just say that the responsiveness the understanding of our needs from the governor, the mayor, Secretary Chambers, Secretary Schillinger, beforehand, it was second to none. We had people, you know, saying we'll get back to you in a month and a half. Indiana said we'll, we'll we'll have an answer in two days. And so I think it was it was just a series of all that. But I would say the team would say it was the one it, one Indiana, you know, approach that made that happen. And it leads to a series of things, right? I would just say it's a multiplier effect. I mean, you saw it with, yesterday with Eli Lilly is there's a multiplier effect. So hey, we get an IPO, we acquire Bayer, we set up a new destination in the headquarters. We now are gonna start an epicenter, bringing three new companies here already just since we started that idea. And now, you know, we made an announcement that we're acquiring Beauvair a product that will reduce methane in cattle, will cool the climate. I think the leading technology to have an environmental impact. And we're looking at a manufacturing footprint I need to make a decision on that. And the same approach is being taken by the secretary and by the governor. And it is my hope that, you know, down the road that, here soon, that, that, that we can say we're gonna expand our Western Indiana manufacturing footprint with this product over there and bring the leading technology in agriculture to cool the climate to the state. So it's, it's a culture, a mindset that I think, and I think this current leadership, you know, they're, they're leaning in, you know, in in a very good way.
0: That's big. I'd love to spend a little more time on West, Western Indiana, I, I, I'll, I'll let you take the pass uh, on that, public okay. company and in, in the, in the sword. But you also made a passing mention to three
1: companies. Yeah.
0: That's the first time I've heard that, Jeff. I, you have two yeah. that you've launched publicly. Is there a third one that you're announcing? Yeah, so we,
1: we've, one of the ideas here is, just like any other company, you've got to have your strategy. Our strategy is we innovate products, we put them in portfolios, and we have access. We're one of the only two independent companies that can reach the world's aim. So being able to say, hey, we can reach water buffalo in India to tilapia in China, to cats in Chicago, there's a lot of innovators in this epicenter, which you've been a big part of, Mitch, is to do that. So we've launched a microbiome company called Biomedit, spun out of Elanco, that will do research on the microbiome in animals. Uh, Second is Atheon. Atheon is a company that Scott Dorsey and uh, others with High Alpha here, and just part of the community, and Agronovus. First company that can actually, for farmers all over the world, Aggregate carbon credits certify them and monetize them so farmers can and today we announced you know bell bell will be on the pet side bell will actually be a digital connected care pet company again with a partnership with high alpha that will help veterinarians all over this country reach pet owners when they can't actually be in the practice of the clinic themselves um, so and and more to come i think because there's We've got the capital maturity of this epicenter that I think will, by the time our headquarters is built, a wing of that will be an incubator for, for these new companies. That's exactly right.
0: Well, Jeff, I, you are no, uh, you've always been bold. You're not shy of taking big risks. And I, I want to step back a little bit. As we look at spinning out of Eli Lilly, a giant pharmaceutical company headquartered here, you took that business, you took the animal health business out of, the land, or out of uh, Eli Lilly in 2018, successful IPO. You made another giant bet in 2020 with the acquisition of Bayer Animal Health. I think the largest acquisition ever in the history of animal health. And then just two weeks ago, I think it was now, uh, your, your partnership to bring Beauvair to the US market. Beauvair is a really interesting story. and I want to spend some time there, particularly as we look at this food security, food sustainability component. Yeah. Share with us more
1: about Beauvais and how that really fits into this puzzle. Yeah, so, you know, I think everybody just real quick, I mean, we, we've got a – we can talk some about food security, but the two biggest challenges I think the United Nations has if you look globally, and I think we play at this economic summit right in the middle of it, is how do we feed the world and how do we cool the climate? And they want to do that. They say there starts to become irreversible challenges and, and problems if we don't do it by 2030 and we have worked and harbored a lot of our customer base in the protein business. Two numbers to remember, 60 and eight. 60% of the world is getting the wrong nutrition. There's a third that is actually 30% that is actually not getting enough calories like the African climate or the African continent and others. There's also countries like this where they're getting the wrong calories. And you'll hear from some of the panel probably on this. It's caused obesity and diabetes, et cetera. So we gotta get in the right nutrition, the protein's gonna play a role in that. You also gotta cool the climate, and in COP26 it was very clear, greenhouse gases are made up of a lot of gases, but the two that everyone talks about is carbon and methane. Carbon, a long-lived you know, gas, 1,000 plus years, that's not gonna have an impact in the next eight years, but methane is. And methane, Auvergne, our, our, our technologies and farmers can actually help reduce that. And so, you know, this is about reducing methane in a significant way. It's a short lived gas. Bovaire alone can reduce thirty to fifty percent of methane coming out of cattle, which could that alone is more than the whole industry globally has done in twenty years. This technology alone could actually have that impact. So and I think look, there's people that say, Well, let's not, you know, eat animal protein. Let me just touch on that very briefly to say we ate more animal protein as a world and as a country last year than ever before. We have 300 million metric tons have been consumed. The last 10 years, it's grown 60 million. The next 10 years, it's gonna grow 90 million, 50% more. Why? GDP growth, and the second is if I ask for a raise of hands, how many people in the last year have been on some diet that had more protein and less carbs? Those are the two trends that have made this. So Bill Gates, I'm sorry, we're not gonna eat our way out of this, We're going to actually use innovation and actually the cattle industry and the livestock industry can play a major role and there's climate neutral farming is happening we're close to making it more of a norm in the next 10 years and there's farms here in indiana making as much or more off the environment than they are off milk or off protein i
0: think there's a really interesting piece there we'll spend more time on this this morning but this sustainability conversation is one that must focus on environmental sustainability, as well as economic sustainability, right? There has to, the solutions,
1: innovations have to be durable. Right? Yeah, absolutely, so I think, you know, without, without having, you know, I think a lot of the environmental initiatives are behind and haven't stuck and haven't had an impact. What I think excites me about agriculture is, there is an opportunity. Today, there's three ways a livestock producer can get value. One is in the carbon market and by capturing carbon credits. There's dairy farmers here in Indiana that are selling carbon credits to, to a state of California or other places. Their second is there's ESG, which is a big drive right now for CPG companies and others. And there's a scope three that they're willing to pay for as all these companies have made claims to be net zero. I think that's, that's the second one. And look, the third one is even playing in the energy business with biodigesters and others. There's, there's opportunities. So, uh, there's we, we believe there's a one to two billion dollar new market in methane reduction and that being done uh, through and with the livestock industry' about a twenty five percent increase in the value of that industrial loan so farmers can benefit significantly from this this idea of ESG Jeff is you know you can't open
0: the page of The economist or the journal or pick your favorite publication not CSG, expected to be a third of all assets under management, depending on the horizon, lots of different folks are
1: forecasting this. But really a critical piece as we talk about sustainability and food security. Yeah, it's it's moved now that this is no longer corporate social responsibility and must put out a book every month or every year and, and it's a nice to do thing and it's a this is this is gonna take and make a major shift, I believe, from business being a force for good to have an impact on society in a very significant way. Most every major investor in Elanco is expecting us, and they'll only stay in us and continue to be investors in us if we move significantly you know, trends of the impact on the environment, et cetera. And then everyone else is looking at the value chain, saying if you're part of my partnership, Tyson Foods needs Elanco to play a major role with all of their producers, or you don't have a right to do business. The next five years, ESG will become three letters that uh, society will come to know, and I think society will benefit from Society here in the states clearly all around the world. All around the world, absolutely. As you
0: talk about this sort of system of systems, right, this labyrinth, it is the food system. Jeff, I I wanna talk a little bit more about innovation, because I think as as we set the stage for this conversation around food security, innovation, big part of the Elaineco story, you talked about Beauvais, we've talked about the acquisition of Bayer Animal Health, Three companies you've spun out how does your team think about innovation and what role do sustainability and food security play in your focus on,
1: on innovation? yeah I think and I'll, I'll even segue a little bit to you know what we're doing here I go back to the Jim Collins flywheel of San Diego yes. I built Amazon I built you know Eli Lilly spent a lot of time over the last 20 years building their flywheel it's hey it's those disciplined key pieces of your strategy that you can do better than anyone else and I think we look at innovation in that wheel to say, just like in Eli Lilly, we have to innovate. We have to bring first and best-in-class products to solve methane, to solve give consumers what they want animals what they need and use less of the environment or you know the, the aging pack, et cetera, that, you know, how do we do that? Put them in portfolios, but then have access to the world. And so I think this is where I'm excited about this epicenter that we're bringing and you've been helping lead here in Indiana. Is we're not as sophisticated in animal health as human pharmaceutical. So we don't have the capital and the business models that, that have been designed in human pharma. So what you know we're doing here with this epicenter is saying Elanco can reach the world's animals. And there's a few other companies you know here, even Corteva, that can. How do we bring innovators? How do we bring capital? How do we bring business models and incubators like High Alpha? How do we bring more talent here that wants to jump into these exciting industries and, Use the orbit of you know companies like Medallion that are great talent pullers, and we actually add and sophisticate that. And that's I, I see these three companies are an example of innovation needs to be more open, it needs to be supported early, and you need to be able to access markets quicker. And I think that that's that's critical and that's a key part of what we're going to do in animal health. You talk a lot about the springs and, and the, really the
0: opportunity that's here. But if we abstract this yeah we think about the balance sheet of this place that we are building an epicenter together that we as a community are building this together walk us through some of the debits and credits right what 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 is working
1: what is working here and what challenges exist that we can solve collect thanks for the question mitch so i think we can get excited but we also got to look at both sides right balance here i think it's really critical so look on the positive side even why we selected this and this is going to be our home and we're going to put more investment in, in this area, in Indiana, than any other place, is look, this is this is pro from an economic standpoint, affordability from a family, it's pro-business, it's, you know, the coasts are moving to the center of the country uh, from this pandemic, and there's a lot of positives here. For you and I, food, ag, tech, universities, we have the best university president, sorry, I'll make that plug, in the whole world, in the Mitch Daniels. We've got, you know, a lot of the you know, Agrinova CICP, so the community's right. That's the positive I see on, on the side. I think on the liability side, and it's been talked about, look, we gotta get a couple of the macro things right. You can't be bottom tier or in the bottom third on, on health. I think that's, that's you know, important. Um, and, and there's a couple other factors in there that I think are things that we need to really look at. You know, education and health are not where they need to be healthcare, where they need to be. Um, i think that's really important but i think the biggest one is talent this state if we're going to compete as truly the population moves more remotely and indiana becomes a destination it has to be a talent attractor we're not where we need to be for diversity i got to look like my my customer base nine out of ten veterinarians from our vet school are females consumers and and i need i need more diversity as a contractor here we need to change that and then i got to make my little plug. A couple things hygiene-wise in the next five years. I think the cities that win in the middle of this country will be determined in the next five years. Two things that I see, need to: the center of this city needs to be more dynamic and cleaned up and improved to where it is. Um, And I think uh, the others, you know, the airport. I mean, today I have two destinations I need to get to. I love the airport, but I can't get to Kansas City and I can't get to Europe. And I know we're working on that. So I'm excited, though, as a whole, that, hey, when I look at the balance sheet, it's very hard to find a culture and a one Indiana type place anywhere else and all the pros far out wide and, 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 the, and the credits, the negatives can quickly be fixed and I know that, that they're on everyone's agenda. Well,
0: it takes leaders to one, identify the problem, but to be part of the solution. Yeah. Right? And that's why we're here today is right. to right. tackle solutions, small, big, global, and let's talk about. Food security yeah and sustainability you know as as we open the aperture and really start to look at this globally you mentioned early on this shift that we hear in very developed markets around boy we we think we're going to move away from animal protein we think it's more of a portfolio of protein walk us through what what role truly does animal
1: health animal protein play in the future of food security and sustainability yeah we can talk more about that but let me just stop on food security everybody uh, the world's gotten shocked. We were we were improving. More people were food secure. More people were eating the right food. And in the last two years, the food insecure has doubled. In two years. Mostly because of the pandemic. Then in comes the inflation. Every 1% up is another 10 million to become food insecure. Then the war. Ukraine hits. The port shut, Big supplier of wheat. That's added millions more people that are now on the brink. China has close to 16 months of inventory of food. America, between two and three months. Many countries, weeks. Our food inventories are as low as they've been. You put all this together to say, hey, Indiana has an opportunity. No, 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 Indiana has a responsibility, especially us in the ag and the food business. Uh, We're, we're, one of the biggest announcements this year, you're gonna hear is Corteva moving their headquarters here, another major player on the plant side. We have to play a significant role. Regulatory, talent, innovation, Fighting for exports, food must cross borders. Animal protein will play a major role in that, no question. And animal protein is the fastest growing segment, protein is, in food today. And I always say, look, food is a personal choice. Uh, I, you know, I jokingly said for all the vegetarians in Elanco, we started a pet business uh, to make everybody you know, chase chase the cause and purpose. But it's very personal. Nobody should change in, 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 in what you can afford and what you desire to eat. What I would say is the world has spoken very loudly that animal protein, meat, milk, eggs, fish, is absolutely critical to the, to, to the long-term future of the diet of the population. Don't think you're gonna eat your way out of this or change a diet. I think animal agriculture can play a role in feeding, improving the health, lowering medical costs, and cooling the climate. That's, that's the exciting space for you. I love your focus, Jeff,
0: and we're gonna hear more about this from the panel here in a moment, but This idea of economics, I keep coming back to this idea that profitability and economics have to be a part of food security. Typically we think about them almost as two separate beings. Food security, make sure we get food to people in need. That's really
1: important. But to make that solution durable, to make that long-lasting, there have to be economics involved. Yeah, I mean, let's not, you know, data has to, there's there's some prevailing forces that play, not just in business, but in life, that's right. Consumers choose, economics play. There's bigger forces we gotta consider, the environment. You know, We can talk about organic or non-animal you know animal protein waste. They aren't necessarily more nutritious. It's a choice people are making. They aren't more affordable. They mostly aren't more environmentally friendly. That's why we need to be able to look at these things. For farmers to move and become environmentalists at another level, there has to be economics there. They're in a low margin business and a seasonal business. There's times where they make money one year and lose the next. I believe this opens the next frontier of economic sustainability will drive environmental sustainability. The past CEO of Tyson said, sustainability starts with profit, and that's what makes it sustainable and and lasting. So inside of Indiana, the one Indiana, private, government, public, I think big company, little company, this is something very, very unique to the state that you can't find in other places. Before we welcome the rest of the panel,
0: I think it's important that we always share action stuff. Right, calls to action are important. Food insecurity. Just before we welcome the rest of the panel, what needs to be done? What what can what can people here do to really really change the trajectory of food
1: insecurity? Is it time invested? Is it money invested? What is it? I think you know without without question, um, you can always start local. There's a lot of initiatives even here to say you know Indianapolis is is on track to be one of the first food secure cities with, with all the collaboration again. There's there's work to be done, but it's not just government and a SNAP program, but it's a lot of other things. So I think one is always start local. I think that's critical. I think the other is, look, I think the supporting of the big forces that I just mentioned, it's gonna come down to talent, having right people in right roles, and the role that companies like Porteva, and Ulanco and others can play. Innovation and the supporting of innovation. We have a regulatory body in Washington that has fallen from top tier to middle tier need to have more predictable more consistent approvals of innovation to create more food and less resources and exports now, this this country in this state exports really matter and are critical those are some of the fundamentals when, whether it's policy or whether it's positions companies are taking, I think that's important. excellent well let's let's broaden this a little bit more and welcome the rest of the panel
0: to the stage Foundation and Patatou Inc. Jean-Luc Tete, he is CEO and founder of a really incredible startup we're gonna hear about, Corus Impact, and then uh, Robert King, he is EVP at Corteva of Crop Protection. Friends, welcome, please take a seat. Really delighted, really, really delighted to have y'all join us today. There is a lot to talk about, and I think it's really important that folks understand your perspectives and what you're bringing to this discussion. Martha, we're going to start with you. If you could maybe just introduce yourself and share with the team here your perspective on food security in uh, in the world.
2: Well, for starters, let me tell you what I'm not. I'm not an expert on global economy, on global food production, distribution. But don't worry, that doesn't mean I'm not without opinion. Um, so I will hopefully be able to add some insight and color to the conversation. Um, I uh, started my first restaurant in 1989, having never worked in the restaurant industry and not knowing that I was pregnant with my third child. So as we always like to say internally, perfect recipe for disaster. However, the souffle keeps on rising for us. We now have 14 restaurants in Indianapolis. We're growing our mother brand, Cafe Parashu, by three units this year, and then we'll be stepping out of the Indianapolis market and expanding that brand. Um, I have worked for the last 32 years building a values-aligned company um, that is critically focused on five things. Uh, One is obviously food sourcing. We're in the restaurant, that's our low-hanging fruit, along with uh, quality of customer service. The three that really distinguish my company are our attention to the quality of staff experience, our commitment to sustainability and resiliency, and our commitment to the community. And regarding our commitment to the community, almost 10 years ago, my my company founded the Publisher Foundation. Our mission at the foundation is to help solve childhood hunger in the areas in which we serve our restaurants so in indianapolis uh, where one in five children go to bed in um, hungry in our community and we just thought it was inherently wrong that living in an agricultural state in the middle of the united states we had that level of insecurity and hunger in our own community so that's what i do
0: martha it is terrific to have you here and as a, as a former uh, prosecutor, it would be fun to, to, to bounce back and forth here this morning, really looking forward to the conversation. Jean-Luc, you have an amazing background, former auto exec turned into regenerative ag leader. Tell us more about the work you're leading.
3: Well, um, first of all, very, uh, very uh, happy to be there among you to share this story. Uh, I've spent more than 20 years in auto industry, working for two of the top ten group, automotive group, leading some, uh, major subsidiary of these uh, groups. Um, and uh, I was working, I was born in Central Africa Republic. So I spent 20 years in Europe, born in Central Africa Republic. And we're talking, when we're talking about uh, food security, uh, Africa is you know, the, main, uh, the main place where we, this subject is, uh, is, is important. And Central Africa Republic is the second poorest country on the world. Uh, 60% of the population is uh, living in food penning. 2 million people in severe lack of food. Mm-hmm. Um, the local production, although it is an agriculture country, you know, 80% of the population is doing agriculture, the local production is less than half of the needs. So you have amazing uh, result out of that. For example, mm-hmm. you take cassava, People are eating cassava every day. They are produced, uh, cassava is produced locally. And the pen is such that cassava is, in Central African Republic, the most expensive cassava of the world. It is extremely expensive because lack of lack of production. And this is what people are eating every day. And this country is very spread out. So you have people on the east side of the, of the country, so 2,000 miles away. How do you get to them? With very poor infrastructure. So it's a uh, situation which is really uh, incredible. And these countries, you know, they are living the climate change. It's not a theory. Climate change there means something, really, uh, strongly impacted. And on top of that, you know, uh, this is a, a place where you have the Congo forest, one of the most important forests on the planet for our security here. We're living a very fast deforestation, <coughs> strong deforestation. People are going in the forest, picking up uh, wood for cooking in the big uh, cities, which are growing like, like crazy. So you see, I was you know, in my nice job in Paris, and say, OK, guys, do something. <laughs> Can't go like that for, for a while. So I said, can you imagine? If we had a solution that could produce food in volume at affordable cost, uh, good quality food, can you imagine if we had a food production that can, on the same time, produce good food, cost effective, but as well regenerating the forest or stopping deforestation and regenerating the forest? Uh, can you imagine if we have a solution that could be on sites where people need it the most. And last but not least being an industrial guy, say, oh, what if this solution was a good business case? Let's make it. So then I started, uh, I created, I founded Always Impact. Uh, based on one idea is to say, we have to take the soil as a partner. And only this perspective changes completely the way we are thinking agriculture. So soil as a partner, then we're doing what is called the regenerative agriculture uh, with different techniques. So we have a full know-how build up full uh, full database to be able to take the soil as a partner and use it, guide it to high yield with very limited chemical inputs. And specifically to our uh, our way of production, we combine it with the strong agroforestry. So as a, as a complete uh, ecosystem and production system together with agroforestry. And last pillar of our pr- production model is uh, we are transforming on-site directly. So we produce uh, the road crop and we, and we transform on-site. So that this model can be spread anywhere, you know, on the east side of the country, uh, but in any other country in Africa. And why not in any of the regions in Europe or in America. So this production model in itself is uh, is is available to be able to to, to to be spread out. And we managed to make it uh interesting business case. John, really, really interesting eager to
0: spend some more time. Robert King with Corteva. Corteva Jeff mentioned earlier, Corteva just named Indianapolis their global headquarters. Robert, this is a really incredible time to be in agriculture. Share with us more about your background and
4: the work you lead at Corteva. Yeah, thanks. <clears throat> Excuse me, thanks. thanks for letting me be here and on behalf of Corteva. It's, uh, you know, Corteva's, a, as you said, right here in our backyard. Moved um, headquarters here about, about two months ago. But, you know, what we're really about is we're using technology to solve solutions. And, and we do so by trying to make the grower uh, add value to them to help them be more productive. Because that's a key piece to food security is we have to have the acres that we have uh more productive and and so with that you know our goal is to provide sustainable and innovation innovative solutions to them to help help them meet the challenges they have today and when you think about you know the way we position our business and and how we fit in this chain it's a grower shouldn't have to make choices you know you guys were talking earlier about you know profit and profitability, but yet sustainability. And it's not an either or decision. It has to be a both and for us to solve this. And, and so that's how, we, that's how we try to go to market is, is provide solutions to the grower that are both innovative um, from the standpoint of more productivity and value for the grower, but also sustainable. And we think that's a, that's a model that, that has to be successful. I'd say the other thing that uh, where, we, where we try to work is, is being very collaborative. You know, solve this problem from the world, it's not gonna come from any one organization or any one segment. It has to be a collaboration across the entire industry, the entire chain to say, how do we get better in all facets? And so, you know, we have a lot of collaboration going on in in development. So, we have true discovery and development in our our backyard here. And so, we're looking for ways and working with startups to, you know, establish multinational companies to say, how do we collaborate together, get all the smart minds to be able to solve these problems. And that's a core model for us as well, because uh, again, that's the sum of the parts has to, be, has to be part of it, so. And then, you know, the last thing is, is you know, part of this, and I, I applaud uh, Indianapolis for doing this, in that we have to become part of the solution. And some of the things that, that we're doing in Cortepa right now is, is supporting the Global Food uh, Security Index. And, and what this is, it, it's a group, uh, the uh, economic, Economist Industry, or excuse me, Impact, Economist Impact. Um, but this group, what they do is they're looking at the drivers to food security and saying, okay, on a country-by-country basis, what are these key drivers that we need to, to find solutions for to get ahead of or be proactive in solutions? So, you know, this is, this is something that, that uh, is core to how Corteva operates and uh you know the fact we're sitting here in indianapolis is, is right in the heart of of you know agricultural but uh it's core to how we operate as well
0: uh, really good robert thank you and i think this your all of you have highlighted innovation as a key driver and i think it's important that we anchor on how big this problem is right there are folks here from you know, 30 countries we have people from all walks of life different industries <clears throat> If you could just a quick comment on how big is this problem when we talk about food security food sustainability sort of help anchor this conversation is this is this something that boy compelling call to act now jeff when want
1: to start us out absolutely i think robert said it i mean you we've got to we've got to give consumers what they want and i think martha represents that as well as anybody here you know, we've got to give the farmers, the animals, the land, what it needs, and we've got to use less environment. I think this third dimension brings something that is an opportunity. We, we not only can be part of a problem, but I think we can create a next era of economic opportunity. And economic and environmental sustainability is absolutely critical. I would hit two things on innovation that I think are yeah, critical. Please. One is sourcing. If you look at Elanco's top 25 innovations, most of them did not come solely from inside, to Robert's point. Innovation takes openness, collaboration. Some of the best inventors are small. So what we can do, I think even here in this state, collaborate, we've got one of the leading plant companies, animal companies, a lot of small innovators, agronovus. We have to incubate and pull ideas in. We don't have a sophisticated capital structure. The first 18 months of an innovation is make or break. Many of the best ideas have never continued long enough to be discovered. So I step back and say, we've got to let inventors do what they can, encourage them to be here. And then how do we leverage the one Indiana openness to bring openness to innovation? I think that's, and fund it and incubate it and drive it. I think that's critical. We, we have a few things together, actually. One of our bigger products actually came from uh, Cortella. So, and then I think the second is talent. We come back to that, but it all comes back to people. Right. And you, you, we've got to have some of the smartest, You know craziest thinkers and it can't be just well it's a land grant school let's go pull some people we need people from all over the world we had a meeting this morning with india the ambassador from india how important talent we get all over the world to be able to do things and i think that's those are the two things to me that i would say can you know excel and multiply innovation faster than anything is incubating innovating early ideas longer and bringing talent into indoor companies other thoughts on large scale on this problem.
4: Yeah I mean absolutely I agree agree with what Jeff's saying in that you know the uniqueness of of Indiana is one that doesn't jump off the map Us in that we're sitting in the mid midwest midwest America or excuse me uh, in the middle of America right and uh you know we talk about being the crossroads etc but if you walk over to our campus we have 700 people there that are working on discovery and it's an international community by design because it has to come from all walks of life to find ways to do that and that's not something that you, know, you think about when you think of indiana but it's sitting here in our backyard and the more that we can begin to tap on this international aspect of, of how we innovate to bring these solutions to bear uh, we're going to get stronger you know the interesting thing about it is we have to get faster as well and we've got to find what those enablers are but Today, it takes 10 to 12 years to get a, a new molecule all the way through, registered it to the market. That's entirely too long to solve this problem. We have to get faster at that, and it's going to take everybody looking at regulation to food security and safety to make sure it all works. But we got to get through it faster.
3: Jean Luc, is on on innovations? You know, in, in my automotive time. The best innovation when we had you know, this award and this uh, big, uh, big uh, feedback was when we had no choice. We put the teams in a situation where the only way out is innovation. And then you get yeah. really tremendous ideas and very fast. Um, this is as well one of the motivation of going to CAR, you know, people say what are you going to do there, poorest country, poorest country on the, on the planet. You could not imagine how creativity, how creative is these people. And you cannot imagine how the willingness to change things is strong. And then you have half a for innovation. And it went extremely fast. And uh, I think what we need now to, uh, to, 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 to make it happen faster um, is, is to bring some competency. And I was discussing yesterday with one of uh, local university uh, uh, executive, uh, about building some, some uh, 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 partnership. I would dream to a partnership between university here and our, uh, our company within the forest, close to the Pygmies. You cannot imagine how many practices they have that we have forgotten. That way we can bring up to industrial solution. Ideas are there. Question is how we make it benefit from everybody. And this is where the link can be done. Martha, you see, uh, through the foundation, you yeah. see the problem
0: in real life, every day.
2: In real life, and in talking about innovation, we look at innovation, you're talking about new molecules and deforestation and all these things. We believe that the innovation that we can lean into is a different view of, of how to solve hunger in our own community. So it, it's a complex problem obviously that's why we're all here talking about it and complex problems don't have easy solutions at all but we feel at the foundation we have evolved our philosophy and we really believe that there are several factors that are impacting a stalemate of why there are more calories produced in the world now than ever but also more hunger in the world, and that's just one of those, what we call econundrums in our universe, that that's the question, right? That's the holy grail of answers there. Um, Our innovation comes in our belief that the not-for-profit world is broken at this moment, um, too dependent on donor money, which automatically means that they chase money more than they chase solutions we pour billions of dollars a year into the not-for-profit area but we don't solve a lot of problems Um, and as my foundation has evolved we've gone from and we're still very much entrenched in feeding children who face daily hunger but we also believe that there has to be more than immediate feeding of people meal replacement itself is not a solution to hunger at at least at our local level Um, and we believe obviously i think there's very little just could be very little disagreement that the real issue is how to solve poverty because if you can solve poverty increase opportunity for people then it changes the entire uh, you know conversation about food access and that's what we are trying to do so we have in- innovated internally at the foundation and have started two what i think are very impactful programs one is our food fellows program and the other is a model that we are launching this year in school called Papa school which is to return workable kitchens in our local school system Indianapolis public schools have no working kitchens so how do you how do you feed children at school if you don't have a workable kitchen Um, how do you treat people who you're feeding who are in need with the dignity that a real meal provides Um, and how do you offer the members of the community Opportunities for jobs, perhaps jobs in the work spa- in the food workspace that can change their lives and give them a uh, ability to have thriving jobs. So that's where the foundation has morphed, and that's where the innovation we're bringing to this conversation.
0: Really, really interesting. This is multi-variable. There's not one single solution, Robert. I want to come to you. you think about you know corteva one of the largest integrated agricultural companies in the world from crop protection all the way to the seed that's in the ground how do you think about innovation in plant science i mean truly the science that's in the plant to really tackle this intersection that martha really walked through sustainability food access and really the economy that
4: centers around it yeah so yeah we were two companies that came together right and uh... We have research facilities here that really centers around our, our crop protection, um, and then over in Iowa, um, little company called Pioneer um, has a massive research and, and farming farming system there, and we're doing research around the world to find ways to make the the grower more profitable, um, not only in you know protecting the crop, but also in how he grows, what he grows, and, and the hybrids, etc. Um, you know, The solution, again, has to be a piece of everything, and um, you know, not to get into the GMOs and everything else that, that is in the world, but we, we believe that the pie has to be a piece of a little bit of all of it to get to the solution, and one's not gonna solve it. So we're doing extensive research around the world, 160 some odd countries, where we have, have research plots Going on to find ways to to get ahead of how to make this make acre more productive in all walks of life. You know, just a small tidbit out here, just in our backyard, we have 36 different independent soil types that we mix and match to do testing for all different types of soils around the world. Um, because you know, yeah, we're in Indianapolis, but our stuff's going everywhere, and uh, that that's how we're trying to play on this thing is is to get ahead of it in all all facets of the crops
0: really helpful and Martha I'm gonna come back to you because you're the closest to the consumer of everyone up here really eager to hear your perspective that that perspective from the table from the tabletop what what are consumers coming to you and saying Martha this is what I expect I expect sustainability I expect you know economics in the sense of I can actually afford this piece and, and I want to do something bigger how do those conversations go
2: well That again is a very complex answer um, because our consumers, consumers in America, want what they want. They want sustainability, they want organic, they want whole, they want quality, but they don't want to pay for what it takes to produce those things. So there's a, a bit of a value proposition going on where you have to redefine how consumers perceive value. Is it the most for the le- the most amount of food for the least amount of money, or is it the right quality of food for the money it takes to support everyone on the, no pun intended, on the food chain, right. everyone who has a hand in producing a, a chicken salad sandwich, so to speak. How do you support them? Uh, and it, uh, you know it's a problem. We we pay too little for food. And we are getting, and even in America right now, people are getting priced out of quality food. But it's that conundrum that we go, we toggle between. Right, Jeff? And, you know, I don't have the answer for it. We try to tell on the for-profit side, on the company side, we let our customers know that when they buy a sandwich at my restaurant, what they are supporting. They are supporting much more than just a sandwich. They're supporting the lives of all the people who touch the sandwich. And that includes giving them not just thriving wage jobs, but health insurance and access to opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. On the not-for-profit side, you know, we want to serve the children that we serve. We want to serve them as high-quality food as we can give them served in a system that allows them to have dignity and access to what they want without judgment that comes with so much food uh you know of the hunger relief programs
1: i I would build on that i mean every research study i've seen in 20 years takes cross nutrition always drive a lot of the decisions and food is very personal so i think everyone is allowed what they can afford the choice I do think there's examples we can point to that you know there's some things going on right now. This food security shock to the global system is a big deal. We've never had kind of four bullets at one time, and that's what's happened when you think about the war and you think about inflation, the supply chain breakdown and the pandemic. I mean, this is, a, this is gonna be an interesting time the rest of this decade because of what's happened when the decade started. But I think as you come back to this other side, you have to point to say that I think there's consumers that we as an industry, Mostly, even on the food industry, the big companies have promoted on the negative. Know this, know that, it must be better. Organic is definitely a choice. It's definitely something some people want, but it does come with a price. And so, you know, and you can point to cage free. Everybody wanted cage free. Now we have a very oversupply of cage free eggs because people don't want to spend $3.50 a dozen. Sri Lanka in 2019, the whole country went organic. And rice production, went 20% to the unfavorable, prices went up, vegetables went up 4X, and there was food rides in the streets. So I think there's, and then I think the other one is we want an environmental movement. Well, uh, Organic takes 78% more of the environment. In a recent study on the beef consumer, those that have backed away or consuming less, uh, the majority of was because of the environment. It wasn't necessarily because of the diet. So I think a couple of these things is how we can connect the diet and the importance and the environment and the affordability, to Martha's point, and give consumers choice, but give them a little bit more education. The two big forces the next ex- next eight years is how do we handle the food insecurity and the system that's broke on that and the environment. And believe it or not, it's a little bit contradictory to most consumers. Organic is not necessarily the most environmental. So how do we do that? That's... I think that's gonna be the next eight years is gonna play out more at the table than ever before. Jean-Luc, you are seeing that right now
0: with your work in Africa, right? This idea where communication is critical, communication around blending this notion of forestry and soil health and crop production. That's a communication effort as much yeah. as a
3: science effort. Yes, of course, of course. And, and this is not so, uh, so obvious when you, when you start with, you know, are you doing forestry or are you doing uh, food production? What are you doing? In fact. Uh, the vision we have is to break this frontier, you know? Uh, we're talking about uh, 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 having um, um, uh, bio-food. Uh, but what we're doing is limiting, is you know, where the curves are going to be. We're not forbidden uh, to use chemical inputs. When we need it, we use it. It's a combination. It's where we put uh, these different items of production, taking care of what we already have. So take the, take the, take the tree, can, can, can fix the soil, for example, combining both, then you have a better result. So basically what we're doing is breaking the different frontier of different, different uh, visions. So one, our model is an integrated model. So from the soil production together with the forest, together with the transformation on one side. And the, the, the challenge is the competency to make this. Integrated model, running. this is where we need really to have tight connections here and there and, 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 and to, to, to build up this next model. But I'm fully convinced we will go from global vision, you know, production of crop, production of uh, whatever, to multi-local solution, integrated multi-local solutions. But each of these local solutions will be, will be its own solution. That's why the key. Uh, the key know-how item is the database. Is the database we're building because these databases in Sri Lanka will be different from the database in Bangui, will be different from the database in Salvador. But the way the vision need to be the same, and we need to connect these local solutions. You know,
2: the, the global food chain, distribution chain, production chain is so complex, and I wonder sometimes if it doesn't, if, it, if that also means that it is more sensitive to any risk than a smaller, more localized solution. Do, do you have a sense about that? Because I, I really don't know, but I liken it to the global financial system where one, one tremor can create a worldwide decline we're talking finances, but when you talk about food, you're talking about real lives, right? So how-
1: t- Yeah, and I think there's also an aspect we haven't talked about. There's a lot of politics in food. Yes. And a lot of politics in trade. And we can feed this world, you're right. We have enough calories, we have enough food right now to feed you know 8 billion people, <clears throat> but it's in the wrong place and it doesn't cross borders very easily as well. So I think that's another factor that has complexity. And what, do we
2: ever talk about food
1: waste as yeah, openly exactly. as we should? Right.
2: You know, 40% of food that's purchased in the United States is wasted. And that's at the consumer household level.
0: Yeah, I want to dig into this, this idea of politics around food, Martha. I think this is a really good point. Jeff, <clears> the, the system you set up, Robert, you touched on this earlier. I'm going to come to you with this. We, we look at this, this labyrinth, Right. It's the only way i know to describe, maybe patchwork is a different way to describe it, a, a regulatory environment, certainly here in the States, that is challenging, we've talked about that, but this is global. I mean, the, the global regulatory environment, decisions that are made affect trade, which ultimately affect access to food. Share with us more about just what, what is this challenge? How does this network work, and what can be done to improve it?
4: Yeah, great question, and uh, if I could sum it up and, and write a book on it. I wouldn't have to sit here the rest of the rest of the day. I'd be all sitting on the beach somewhere. But no, seriously, um, you know, the more consistent we can have out of out of regulations, the better off we are going to be. Um, you know, when you talk about you know 10 years to get get products to market and the global supply chain that we have got in every country has has different different needs. Um, you know, a little known guy by the name of Steve Jobs uh, made a made a comment that it's much harder to be simple than it is complex, and that's what we're faced with. Is you know it should be simple, but it's not. It's extremely complex, and we have to find a way to shift that. When you look at the the you know the global market from a, a supply chain standpoint, we're totally out of balance, um, and that balance is critical for moving forward to say how do we begin to solve this. We've got to get things back in balance from a, a global economy uh, from you know geopolitical walls that have got to come down and together we can we can finally solve these problems because you know as as, as Jeff's talking about there's plenty of, of calories in the world but it's in the wrong place and jumping over these barriers and the fact that things are changing makes it difficult to get ahead of this. And we've got to have some consistency there with our governments around the world.
1: I, that's why I think the micro environment of this state being mm-hmm. not difficult, but unified, and I'm excited, Corteva, big news, Corteva, the largest agricultural companies in the world deciding it's home here. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that having a state and having an economically driven, hey, collaborative environment, Let's let's get, if you're out here considering coming here, let, you know this environment can create collaboration because the rest of the world is so complex. I think to Robert's point that this this really opens an opportunity. I think.
4: Um, yeah, I fully agree. You know, we have the makings, the building blocks yeah. here of of being able to build something special in Indiana. Um, you know, you look at Lilly's here, obviously, uh Silanco and a lot of other yeah. organizations that center around ag, which is all about food. That's right. We we have the building blocks. And again, it's putting those together and, and a few more in to begin to say, okay, let's start something here that can move out.
0: Robert, I, I love that perspective. And I, I want to share just a, a quick thought because as you both have talked, it's, it's solidified in my mind. When you look at a on the animal side when you look at Corteva on the plant side, we, both of your core values, key areas we've talked about today is around sustainability. There is no reason why Indianapolis, why Indiana, can't lead the global discussion, be really the epicenter, to use a word from you, Jeff, for sustainability globally. I mean, we have everything from seed in the ground, to crop in the field, to going to feed the animal that feeds up, we have the full system, add on the nation's largest medical school, add on the juggernaut that is Eli Lilly, add on the health insurance that's the juggernaut that is Anthem, the, the assets. Yeah. The assets are here to actually blend the things that we've talked about. Sustainability, economics, and nutrition, all of those key pieces are here. We have time for one more question. I see the red light blinking from the side of my my eyes here. What's one thing? So everyone has come here from all across the country, all around the world. It is really critical to me. We have a desire to act in Indiana, to go do, everybody gets back to work on Monday, they get back to their office, they jump in. What can they do to really address this food security, food sustainability
1: issue, Jeff? Well, it's a a great, I just say, you know, there's no industry, I believe, in Indiana, I'll speak, that can probably have, that has more, we're relevant, so we're responsible. So there's an opportunity, and there's a positive end to this story, and I think there'll be a lot of positive at the end of this decade. It started with some turbulence, I think to the earlier, innovation happens in turbulence. Great transformations happen in turbulence. Indiana will play a role in feeding the world, improving the health, and cooling the climate. We've got all the makeup to do that. I think when you get actionable, I'll come back to people. I mean, we, we need to put the center on people. We, I, I, I spoke yesterday to our 100 interns, or however many there were in the room, and over a third of them this year are international. We have to bring people here, and they have to look around and see role models and places that they can make community. If we do that, you know, innovation and transformations happen because, I, I say, Elant goes only where we are today because we saw, wow, we, we impact life. and you know, Animals improve the lives of people. That purpose un, unleashed people. We have to unleash the next era of talent, and I think that's what it is, and we have to make this city in five years, one that everyone's talking about. We need to be the next Nashville, sorry, or Austin. We do, and we can. So to me, anything you can all do to make this a magnet for talent, to use the firms you need to use to get them here, it's critical. To me, it's people. Excellent. Martha?
2: Well, I, this is where I'm really good at answering. Uh, question that was not asked I'm <laughs> sorry good
0: job uh, Adam, prosecutor I, yeah uh, as a former
2: on. prosecutor <laughs> I'm taking the conversation where I want to take it so you know all the large companies aside that are represented here I am a very small company I have 350 employees if our foundation is extremely small we have an operating budget of significantly less than a million dollars a year and in the not-for-profit world that is considered tiny we still are making an incredible impact. And I don't ever want to anyone to believe for a minute that it only requires large and fast that's to create solutions that affect so many people in our own backyard. That's it. Well,
0: that's a great point. Jean-Luc, one thing folks can do when they get home on Monday to really affect
3: food security and sustainability. So, you know, uh, in Africa, the next 25 years you're going to have additional additional 500 million people to feed. This is a fantastic market, yes. This is a fantastic market, but I strongly believe we have to think and to approach this market differently in a more inclusive way, because again, uh, you cannot imagine how uh, a pertinent solution you can find on the ground, how you can be quick when you integrate people in the way you think, you will rethink this industry. Uh, it doesn't mean that what we did before is an issue. The point is how we adapt what we've already gathered to this next reality which is going to be the biggest market. Yeah. So uh, this link needs to be done, and, uh, and of course, funding. Funding today, we have to invest in food. We have to invest in new markets, in food, and to create the the investment vehicle to be able to invest today, it's extremely difficult to find ways to invest there. So, Robert, final words?
4: Yeah, final, one thing. You know, to add to what's been added here, it's learn the facts. Hmm. And let's make sure that we're educated on what the true facts are about all the issues. So then we can begin to make solutions. But on Monday, when you walk in your office or, or, or jump in your car or whatever it is, you can make an effort to learn the facts, to get more educated on what the real issues are and what the science is behind all the different options. And I'm not saying you have to pick one. What I'm saying is it's going to take all of it, but we got to understand the facts and get away from the things that we think we believe
0: That was Jeff Simmons, CEO of Alanco; Martha Hoover, founder and CEO of Patichu Inc., Jean-Luc Tate, founder and CEO of Horus Impact, and Robert King, executive vice president of crop protection at Corteva. Thank you so much for tuning in to this bonus episode of Ag Bioscience. You can get the latest Ag Bioscience news and insights from discussions just like this by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And while there, you can always access our entire library of archived episodes. And as always, you can learn more online at agronovasindiana.com. On behalf of the entire Agronovas team, I'm Mitch Frazier, thanking you for listening. We look forward to seeing you real
4: soon. This podcast is a product of Inside Indiana Business, hosted by Gary Dick and produced by Kayla Chittister and Joe Ullery. More people get Indiana Business News from Inside Indiana Business than any other source.